liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows just don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Liberty Lockdown. I have a very special guest with me today who has been making the podcast circuit. She came into my uh, purview on You're Welcome with Michael Malice, Miss Eliza Blue. Welcome in. Oh, thank you. I didn't know you came came in, like, came in contact with me through Michael Malice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, awesome. he's, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and I, I thought that your story was very compelling. And obviously, we we then proceeded to schedule this interview and then... We had uh, a bit of a Liberty Twitter kerfuffle uh, with Mr. Thaddeus Russell, and he will be on um, in the second half of this show. But before oh, we get peripherally, there, peripherally, there's always some type of Liberty Twitter scuffle. So, True. I mean, I think compared to the whole like, um, what would you call the New Hampshire thing or whatever happened with that whole Twitter? Right. I mean, <laughs> I was loving it. I was like just sitting there eating my popcorn. But generally speaking, I stick to what I do on Twitter and what I talk about. So I try not to jump in too many different conversations, but yeah, Liberty Twitter actually is pretty cool. I, I love it. It's, it's a bit, um, in, in, <laughs> in groupy and, uh, and piling on. So, uh, I thought that you would be the perfect counterbalance to some of the arguments that they were pushing back against. And, and I think that we'll be able to find a meeting of the minds, but before we get yeah. there, um, for those that don't know you, please, if you could just, uh, give us a couple minute breakdown or maybe just a minute breakdown of, of the work you've done and, and why they should be listening. Yeah, so um, I'm a survivor advocate for those affected by human trafficking. I am also a survivor of human trafficking. I was uh, sex trafficked for nine years. Uh, it started at age 17. I was wow. sex trafficked in Hollywood and um, it just pretty much continued on from there. Um, there was a bit of a break in between of the time that I was trafficked because I just turned 40. So uh, there was a bit of a break in between, but because that initial trauma was there, unfortunately, I, I willingly chose to go back to that lifestyle and inadvertently was trafficked again. So um, after, I, after I had the opportunity to be free and leave my abuser for the last time, uh, I went to a safe house and uh, it still took me a while after that even to leave my former abuser. And then finally I got free. And now um, after a lot of years, I became an advocate uh, for those affected by the crime. And then in April, 2020, I decided to go public, uh, not necessarily with my story, although that has been a part of it, with my advocacy. Um, in my public life, I've tried to be more of an advocate and a little bit relying less on being a survivor. Um, and uh, partially because I'm very uncomfortable telling my story, it still hurts me. And I think that so much work needs to be done that my personal story is a bit cherry picked and I like to focus on the global crime as a whole. So I started tweeting about it on Twitter when I joined and I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of success. And um, I was smart enough to, instead of wait for mainstream media to come and find me for me to uh, start connecting with podcasters. And that was probably one of the smartest decisions that I've ever made yeah. because um, that's the new media. <laughs> yeah. Podcasters have given me uh, a voice that I never dreamed of. And I'm so grateful because it's given me an opportunity to speak to folks that needed to probably hear it the most parents, mm -hmm. educators, and survivors as well. Yeah, that's so that's great. a bit about me. Um, I'm probably best known for taking on Twitter, 
Um, I'm best known for probably taking on Jack Dorsey on Twitter. Um, he and I had a friendly relationship and I sort of, um, once I realized that they have a child sexual abuse material, material and human trafficking problem on Twitter, um, I sort of flipped up on him and started taking him head on. And I, if I do say so myself, I am winning. Nice. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well we, we can, we can use some winning in this. I don't area. want to declare a win yet, but let's just put it this way. I'm writing my, um, speech. I'm waiting for, I'm writing my <laughs> speech for award of fix the Twitter pedo problem. Well, that's great. And um, I, I'm sure it is a significant problem. I, the, uh, I just to put all my cards on the table, I am extraordinarily ignorant to this topic. I have never encountered uh, child pornography on Twitter or elsewhere. I, I take you at your word and, and other people that I've, I've read about it, that it does, it does happen. Um, but what I guess, first off, I, I have some very rudimentary questions. Oh, so real if, quick, by the way, you, the fact that you're uneducated about this is advocates and organizations' faults. Hmm. The government has allocated grant funding to educate folks like yourself. So that oh, wow. just goes to speak to uh, that just goes to speak to how poor of a job they're doing. And as far as you're not seeing child sexual abuse material, that's amazing. Um, that's great, and I'm really happy that that hasn't happened. But Me just too. Sort of, yeah, yeah, I'm really happy for you because it's absolutely horrible. Um, it's traumatizing even if you're not a survivor. Mm -hmm. But just to speak to some numbers, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's not happening. It's not happening. It's absolutely happening. In 2020 alone, Twitter reported over 65,000 child sexual abuse material, images and videos to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Wow. The, National, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is our, is our national clearinghouse here in the United States. That doesn't account for globally, right? So when we talk about that 65,000, that's just what they reported. Now, the caveat there with the, 60, with the over 65,000 is the fact that each single report can contain any number of images and videos in each report. So one report can contain 15,000 images and videos. So um, when I say it's a problem, it's a massive problem. They're being sued by two minors here in the United States. Um, that, that court hearing will go back to see if they can be liable under Section 230 protection in, uh, on, on July 30th. And um, we'll see where that goes from there. Um, so they're being sued by two minor survivors. That case is absolutely horrible. Their sexual exploitation video was watched over 160,000 times in the first day what? Um, and retweeted over 2,000 times through two 13-year-old boys in this video. Um, and the minors asked them, begged them to take it down. And uh, Twitter said no. Twitter reviewed the video and said no. So the Department of Homeland Security had to step in. Um, you have that situation. You have the fact that India this week has charged them with three offenses um, all relating to child sexual abuse material. I'll be surprised if they even get a stay in the country of India because this problem's so bad. And Russia clamped down on them again this week as well, twice. Yeah, I read about that as well. Um, well, let me yeah. let me start with a super rudimentary question. Uh, mm -hmm. When I hear trafficking, I <laughs> I assume that it means it's against the person's will. Is that correct? So, um, so the definition of human trafficking would be force, fraud, or coercion for the sale of labor or sex. So where you would talk about will, uh, where you would talk about willing participant, you might get into the coercion aspect of things. Um, I consider myself a survivor of a coercive relationship. That's where we talk about trauma bonds, Stockholm syndrome, things like that. I felt like I was in a relationship because I had multiple abusers, um, pimps, traffickers, whatever you want to call them. Um, I was in a relationship in my head with them. I still 
today to this moment as a 40 year old woman sitting here talking about these things decently, eloquently, I still have trauma bonds with my abusers. I still stand up for them sometimes. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty deep. It's pretty deep. I'm not going to lie. People aren't ready for that. That's a deep conversation. Um, You know, this is a widely reported on issue. If you want to look up trauma bonds or things like that, but if any survivor out there is listening, I want you to know, like, you're not alone and that's okay. And, and please, if this conversation affects you in any way, please reach out to one of the hotlines, domestic violence hotline, human trafficking hotline, sexual assault hotline. They're all 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They offer 200 plus languages. They're LGBTQ plus friendly and um, they support survivors for past or recent trauma. So no matter where you're at in your journey, you can give them a call. A trained advocate will be there to answer and they will be there to assess your needs. So um, if anything in this conversation just strikes a chord, because I could definitely see it at some point today. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, um, I, I, you can have those situations where willing gets dicey. And under all circumstances, sorry, I I didn't uh, finish my explanation. Under all circumstances, anyone under the age of 18 that's selling uh, sex for any type of anything, whether it be money or any type of goods, uh, that commercial sex is considered anything under the age of 18 is considered a human trafficking victim. Also included in human trafficking is the uh, black market sale of human organs. That's only in the United Nations definition, not here in the U.S. In the U.S., that's considered a different crime, but United Nations definition, the black market sale of human organs, child soldiers, a lot of libertarians are like that combo. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, a lot of libertarians like that conversation, child soldiers, um, and also, you know, anything like that, uh, child begging, illegal adoption, um, you know, so, and that's where also the digital world comes in there as well, is considered human trafficking. Okay. Very, it's like the most complex crime ever. It's so annoying. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think that the reason it's intriguing to me, and, and I honestly, I think that the reason that it's such a challenging issue is that as an ANCAP, I don't, I don't support the state. So I tend to, I tend to want non-state solutions to this in which, you know, so my preference would be that, that basically the parent or the community is allowed to regulate against this type of behavior and they would not have charges pressed against them for doing so. I know that's a very aggressive stance, but that's my, that's my honest kind of utopic solution to this is that we would get the incredibly corrupt legal system out of the way and allow communities to look after each other. Now, obviously you need to have a culture and a community that is, you know, strong and, and bound together in a way that we look out for each other. And, and honestly, I'm not sure we have that culture today. So it, it comes back to, well, then you kind of need statist solutions for this. You need, you need laws and things like that. So I, I'm curious, is there, are there any, and I, I know you lean libertarian or even ANCAP, uh, are there any laws that you would like to see added that, that would address this better? Are there, are there reforms necessary? What do you think it is? I want the government as far out of this as humanly possible. Okay. There, I mean, we are losing just like we lost the war on drugs and we're treating it the exact same way that we are treating the war on drugs. Um, you know, on the ground, what that looks like is, I mean, I literally want the state as removed as possible. But what's difficult is I talk to all different types of podcasters. I talk to all different types of politicians. I talk to different journalists. I talk to everyone. Basically, I'll talk to anyone, right? Yeah. So um, 
it's not, I can't, um, when I'm talking to folks, I can't necessarily speak about it in a way that I want the world to be. I have to speak about it in the way that the world is. Sure. If, if I had it the way that I wanted it to be, yes, private security, small communities. Um, one of the reason that I, th- one of the reasons that I think that this, and also too, I've pushed uh, right along and I've been very consistent about this, uh, almost to a breaking point. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I truly feel that in the case of big tech, because they're private companies, they should be dealing with this on their own rather than being government regulated. Mm. Um, this is I, something that I think that they can deal with in-house. I've offered them technology. I've offer, offered them solutions. I mean, and when I say offered, I don't mean like on Twitter. I mean, like physically offered the company, like in meetings and stuff. Yeah. Um, and did they, did they just turn you down flat? Or do they give it lip service? Like, okay, we'll, yeah, it's you know, like we're going to consider it. Yeah, yeah it's lip service, um, but they it's because they think I'm stupid or something, but I'm mm. not because I'm like, I'm literally obsessed with this. So they can't really get one over. I mean, if it was, if you were talking about saying those out of my purview, maybe, right. but, um, but because I'm obsessed with it and because I'm passionate about it, because I want to, um, you know, for some reason, the John Doe one and the John Doe two child sexual abuse material on Twitter case really broke me. And that was the two 13 year olds you referenced earlier. Yeah. I, you know, it's very, I'm very rarely broken by a case. I can sort of look at them like, and this is going to sound horrible, (laughs) but I look at the each case like puzzles and how to fix it like a puzzle, but in some, every now and then some cases truly strike a chord with me on an emotional level. And, um, you know, there's just something about that specific case. It's just, Oh, it just breaks my heart every time. So, um, so I've decided to ride Twitter's ass like Zorro and it's, and it's, and it's sort of fell out into all of big tech, but uh, yeah, I mean, as far as ANCAP libertarian goes, I mean, yeah, that would be my ideal. Yeah. And that'd be awesome. I love hashing out solutions in that way. Um, yeah. Perhaps, but, perhaps we can, we can go deeper on that with Thaddeus, but uh, the reason yeah. I was asking is because as, as an ANCAP, as someone who looks at the state and sees them fail at every level of, pro- of prohibition, ev- I mean, everything they everything. do, but, but prohibition in particular, they're awful at, at um, you know, curbing. So, <laughs> they're horrible. They're the worst. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, <laughs> like, what, what can we do here? And, and anyways, we'll, we'll dig back into that later. Um, I, I did want to ask you, given, given the trauma that you experienced, is it, is it, I guess this is, is it empowering to now be an advocate or is this, is this paying a penance for some guilt that you feel over those years or allowing your abuser to take advantage of you? I'm just curious, like, where's the emotion that comes with deciding to put yourself through this? Cause it seems like it would be emotionally taxing to be honest. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. And thank you for asking. I absolutely hate it. Uh, I'll be brutally honest. Um, you know, I, I absolutely hate it. That's the truth. Um, but I wouldn't, Just trying to help others. No, I know. Yeah, let me get it together. Uh, I gotta make sure <laughs> I don't cry. But um, you know, it's I've I stepped forward in April 2020. Um, I did it because I saw where the lockdowns were going, and because I know the crime pretty well, and because I know you know victim survivors pretty well. I knew that we were putting are most vulnerable at a higher risk for being trafficked. That's why I stepped forward. And I've just ridden the wave since then. It started off by offering direct services to survivors through DM on Twitter. And it just sort of took off. Um, 
And, and, at a and did you point, did you know it was going to get uh, to be more significant during lockdowns because of the poverty that would lead towards? Yeah, I mean, it's just like everything I know. So like everything that <laughs> it was literally the perfect storm. Right. And right. actually, yeah. the the United States uh, trafficking in persons report just came out yesterday, and they confirmed that. But other things have been confirming that as well. Like uh, just every statistic and data that we have available um, completely coincided with with what I predicted. Um, I stepped out in, uh, in the daily wire of all publications. Um, I was just asking publications, please print this information about the hotline and vulnerable populations and how the lockdown could affect human trafficking. The daily wire asked if I would add my picture and my name. I was very reluctant because I didn't want to embarrass my family, but I said yes, because I felt like the need of COVID was, uh, extenuating circumstances and the lockdowns and everything was extenuating circumstances. I took it very seriously. Um, I love that. And even though um, I'm, I hate it. I like legit, like, it's not like hate it. Like I like effing hate it. Like, it's not like I wanted to talk to you. You're a cool guy. You're a good looking guy. Like you're a smart guy. I want to talk to you, but like, but yeah. You know, it's gotta be tough to talk about this topic all the time. Like it would be brutal. It's really annoying. I take a lot of, um, I took a lot of hits on Twitter. A lot of people have said horrible things about me that I wouldn't wish on any survivor. But at the end of the day, it kind of stops being about you sure. and stops being about the other survivors. So I don't really care how I feel. <laughs> like how I feel is irrelevant. Um, well, that's a beautiful spirit to come at this with. And I just want to, before we even dig deeper, I just want to commend you for, you know, making this a big part of your life. Cause I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I wasn't, a victim to this and you know i could still dedicate my life towards helping this but for someone who has you know the emotional turmoil that you experience to proceed in this manner it's just it's breathtaking to witness so i that's i just wanted to start by saying that so thank you for what you do well also you have to remember there are a lot of women and survivors that have walked before me that made this possible there are a lot Certainly. of women there are a lot of women that took a lot of um mud slings in public when survivors of human trafficking first started stepping forward, they were seen as willing participants in the crime. Um, you know, women with buyer's remorse or women with drug addiction, mental illness, you name it. They took the hits. I have the easy street. I have it easy. So I kind of zoomed in, you know, um, the reason I stepped forward was because I saw a survivor on YouTube. Mm. I saw a survivor. Her name's Annie. We did a podcast together. Oh, that's but, amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a good podcast too. Cause you can really hear, we have just like the best synergy. I love it. But I stepped forward because I saw a survivor of human trafficking. And when I saw her on YouTube, she put words to my experience. I had never heard anybody speak like that before about what I was currently going through. And it was because I saw her on YouTube that I emailed an organization and um, I was almost like whisked away pretty quickly after that. And so I really credit her to saving my life because she was on YouTube. Yeah, and um, so you so, get to, you get to, uh, you know, what's it called? Pay it forward. You know, she exactly, helped you. Exactly. Exactly. So others. I yeah. think about Annie, like when I get really grim, like really down, I'm like, just imagine if Annie had given up like the day before oh, she man. filmed that video. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, so it's really a full circle. It's like a butterfly. It's a butterfly effect. And I am, you know, I was telling my best friend today, I hope, that my specific brand of advocacy is shining through to young survivors, like survivors that are fresh to social media, survivors that are fresh to advocacy, survivors that are fresh to their um, 
even their trauma. And they could see like, okay, Eliza's out here. She's doing this and this and this. And what I hope is the next wave is even better. Oh, they're better. They're better. They're better than me. That's the, that's the, that's the Ron Paul hoping the best for Dave Smith type of attitude. I love it. (laughs) I'm out here hoping the best for Dave Smith. Okay. Okay. I'm out here. Listen, if Dave Smith thinks he's getting off easy at Freedom Fest, he's wrong. Cause I'm going to come up. I'll have long eyelashes on. I'm going to come up. I'm hoping I'm shorter than him. I'm going to come up and be like, Hey, um, Dave, (laughs) one to 10. Can you say yes to running for president? I'm I'm going to ask him to come to my speech. Beautiful. Well, he, he might listen to this. You never know. We are, we are buddies now. So um, anyways, let me, let me, I've been on enough podcasts with enough of his buddies. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Maybe not, but he might see a clip or something anyways. um, So, so let's, let's clarify a few things. Uh, First off you, it seems uh, based off of your appearance on, on your welcome with Michael Malice, it seems as if your focus is on, you know, minors. It's not, it's not on, voluntary prostitution of people that are of age that want to do it you don't are you are you interested in in curtailing that at all or is that not at all a focus of your work no 100 percent, no i have no problem with willing adult entertainers willing adult sex workers um under any circumstances i've said that on just about every podcast i've ever yeah. done um my primary focus is the deepest, darkest human rights violations against extremely young children and then working the way up from that. Um, As far as I'm concerned, what willing adults do behind closed doors is none of my business. Um, The only only reason I clarify is because I know the libertarian audience is gonna be like, is is this some Christian conservative or something? Like we gotta make sure that- I am, I am, I am a Christian and that's cool. And I (laughs) can care about behind closed doors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I feel the same way. I'm conservative too. I mean, I suppose I'd probably leave, lean a little bit more conservative, but no, I could see, you know, I'm, I kick it in a lot of ANCAP libertarian crowds. Trust me. They, everybody's put my feet to the fire. Okay. There's basically nothing I've heard Fair. on Twitter, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say is like, you know, I, I lean more conservative in my personal life. I'm just, when it comes to, um, you know, l- setting the parameters of law, it's like, I don't, I don't want to have people imprisoned for you know consenting adults doing whatever the hell they want and if there's an exchange of money i'm fine with it now would i advocate for people to do it no like i don't think it's a good idea um but if you want to and it's your best option like by all means like i i can't it's your life i i I have no interest in imprisoning someone for making a a decision that goes against my personal morality I think for your crowd, it might be interesting to point out, I always function under the assumption everybody knows everything that I do, but let me break this down. So there's a difference between willing adult entertainment or sex work, survival sex, which is right before human trafficking. So you have survival sex, which is still willing adult sex work, but it's, it's for something like medicine, food, shelter, Mm -hmm. um, drugs, alcohol. Yeah. Product. Um, Being right on the line with poverty. But, but it's not considered human trafficking. And then you have human trafficking, forced fraud or coercion for the sale of labor or sex. So there are three different things. I, I get into the same thing all the time with the border as well. There's a heavy difference between human smuggling and human trafficking. Right. So are totally different things. Um, yeah, sometimes they intersect. So sometimes, so I believe that uh, a willing adult sex worker can show up to uh, meet with someone, to, with a buyer and be sexually assaulted. And potentially sex traffic. Yes, those things do sometimes intersect. And I believe that, um, you know, sex workers or willing adult entertainers 
definitely have the right to consent or not consent. You know, I mean, I would hope. But yeah. So you could still be sexually assaulted and have all these things happen. So that's where sometimes we get the, the waters get muddied, but just to be crystal clear, the things that I focus on are the extreme human rights violations, especially against young children. Sure. Yeah. So well, that, that's, are, that's my primary focus. I, I don't think, I don't think anyone will, uh, will disagree that that needs to be no. ended. So no. um, let, let me uh, go back to what the tweet you put out that kind of spurred this conversation in the first place. You said, I spend about two hours a day trying to figure, oh, gosh. figure out how to I tell you about two hours a day <laughs> to tell you that Snowden was right. And uh, the governments are going to use human trafficking and child sexual abuse material on big tech as an excuse to gain more control over citizens. Yeah, that's, that's 100% very, correct. It's a very, could you, could you elaborate a bit? Absolutely. Um, okay. You know, the things I talk about on Twitter, uh, the, so like the things I talk about on Twitter are not the things that I'm actually dealing with. And sometimes I let what I'm really dealing with out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people need right now what they need is human trafficking written in crayon. And that's not as a diss. That's actually the government's. That's the guy like just I said, that's the government's fault. Sure. But the things I think about. So there's a couple of things. Um, I'm really hyper focused on child sexual abuse material, especially in the digital space. Um, that's especially on big tech. So it's like I'm hyper focused. Um, and then I also have my specific political views, right? So they kind of all mesh together. Sure. And that tweet pretty much encompasses everything <laughs> that right. I'm like obsessed with. So I forget what month it was, but uh, Snowden was on Joe Rogan. I remember it was, um, Snowden was on Joe Rogan. I actually blogged about it, So I'd have the actual episode um, and the actual quote of what he said on the Joe Rogan experience. But I can pull that up, but, um, Jamie, pull that up. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen to enough Joe Rogan, you get that joke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I have listened to enough Joe Rogan. Um, so, so, you know, Snowden made a comment about child sexual abuse material and, um, some of the laws that were going to be passed and how it was the government's way to essentially access more surveillance and control. And um, a few things can be true at once. So I'm obsessed with this issue. Um, And in 2020 alone, um, we had over 65 million reports, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, over 65 million. Um, Child sexual abuse material, 95% of those came from Facebook. Um, It's interesting. Is there there a a market? Is there a market behind this? Is it like people people selling this stuff, or is it just freely? They don't exchange? even need to sell it. They don't even they don't even need to sell it. It's fascinating. It's terrifying. It's disgusting. Actually, oh yeah, that it's, too. But, um, it's just it's just like for someone who's uh, you know unfamiliar with it, it's like it's just amazing that there's that level of I guess demand or whatever that that there are people just doing this voluntarily. It's well, kind of jaw dropping. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I guess, unfortunately, I'm kind of used to it. So like when you see a big pedo fed bust, it's not like one piece of child porn. <laughs> yeah, it's like 22,000. Right. So have like a gigabyte of material. So, um, you know, I, I haven't really delved into if 
folks that are, I, I, I think that they show more addictive qualities in sort of hoarding this child sexual abuse material. Um, but so the problem is we have a problem, a massive problem. I'm not the first to speak about this. We've been talking about this since the nineties, right? Sure. I mean, we've had, I'm friends with um, Larry, one of the founders of Wikipedia. Larry left Wikipedia on some like whistleblower, uh, you know, whatever you want to say, like mm. he stayed on it. And so, I mean, this is a conversation that was like way before me, you know, um, I'm not the first to bring this up. And for anyone that really wants, I know like we all hate the cathedral and gated institutional narrative media, whatever, but um, truth be told, the New York Times has done absolutely the best reporting on this issue. And honestly, they started with Snowden. They started with Snowden. Can you, so can this, you give me the tie in there? Cause I I'm, I'm lost. I'll on give it. you the tie. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not the best at explaining everything. It's like, I know all the information, but I'm not like, you know what I mean? I'm not a genius. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> so I'm just I'm asking, like, I'm just asking for myself. Like I'm just, no, uh, I know. know I'm asking for my damn self. I'm not <laughs> a genius. So like, I'm always trying to like, so my, I think my brain works higher than my mouth runs. So I hope <laughs> I can work on that, but right now it's just not happening. But, um, okay. So if you take Snowden, he sort of embody, embodifies like surveillance, like government surveillance and how bad it can really get. Child sexual abuse material specifically because of the rate that it's like going, because of the fact that it's just booming so hard. When you look at child sexual abuse material on the internet, it's pretty much seen as the most egregious crime mm -hmm. because it's not talking about potential terrorism, right? Mm -hmm. It's not... Um, groups of extremists meeting or talking uh, mean memes or um, bad language or bad ideas or really wild ideas. This is the physical act, a, um, a human rights violation in a distributive like form. Right. And it's, so, and it's I mean, evidence this is not of it. an actual already happening human rights violations. It would be almost the equivalent of having monetized head removal, like beheadings from ISIS. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say snuff, thing, snuff films, yeah. But I would almost say it's it's worse. And this is why, because the way it impacts survivors' lives for the rest of their life mm -hmm. is something that's not tangible. And in a way, I, and I don't like mean to say tit for tat or whatever, but like an ISIS beheading, at least that person dies. This survivor has to live with this for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So so that they live in prison and they live in fear that that image or video is going to pop up forever. And we're not talking about like, revenge porn or like kids having fun on the bed and filming it. And then it just happens to end up on Snapchat. We're talking about violent, extremely violent, grotesque rape videos of very small children, three or younger, a little bit older, but I mean, we're talking about very, very, very young children, right? Yeah. That's when I, that's when I get the wood chipper revved up. That's, that's, <laughs> That's rough to hear. I mean, just being honest. I mean, listen, listen, dog. Listen, this is a conversation. I know it. I know it. Trust me. I don't want to have this con. Like I said, I say I hate it every day. Yeah. But that's um, brutal. So, so let's let's get the tie in here because I like is I I think that it's it's kind of important that we bring up Epstein here because you use you use um you know the sex trade and then you kind of they have obviously framed or or at least uh, entrapped some politicians and things like that. I think that's what Epstein was doing, if I'm being honest. I think that's what his job was, was to get people in compromised positions, whether they whether it was knowingly or not. 
And then you disclose after the fact, oh, this prostitute was a minor and now we have you over a barrel. You're going to do our bidding. Is that is that part of where this tie in comes? I mean, the global elites are pretty much the least of my concerns because they're a select few. I think about the crime as a whole. Like, okay. I mean, so like when I mean, I'm, yeah, do I care about the global elites? Yeah, especially like on some weird like tinfoil hat. Like, of course, I love that. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, of course, I love that stuff. But um, but in the grand scheme of life, the global elites um, and I'm not saying, OK, they're a very so, small part of this. Is uh, Yeah. And I'm not trying to diminish that. Like I'm very, I'm publicly very close with, with a lot of the Epstein survivors. I serve on two of their boards on different organizations. We're very, very close. So I'm not in any way trying to diminish their experience. Um, they're no. amazing women. I've done podcasts with them, you know? So um, I love the Epstein survivors so much. Gosh, I, we owe them so much. Like the whole movement, the whole world owes them so much, but in the scheme of the world and what I'm talking about, I'm talking about 65 million image images. That's what was reported in 2020, over 65 million. So it would be difficult for the global elites, even on a long day, to make 65 million. You oh, know, yeah. no, this problem is so way bigger than them. So they're sure. like, it's not like they're like the least of my concerns, but they're kind of a little bit the least of my concerns, the global elites. Um, do I think that they that Epstein's entire job was to trap? people in compromising situations so they could have blackmail. Yeah. hundred percent. Do I think it was a pedophile? Yeah. hundred yeah. yeah. percent. I mean, this is like, there's no, I, that's not even a debate. Can I, can so, I ask um, you, can I ask you one thing about that? Um, do, do you believe that, because it seems to me that if you're, if you're in that game, if you're willing to take that level of risk to get leverage over people, um, it's, it's surprising to me, honestly, that there are so many survivors alive of that act because it would seem to me that it would i mean you've already broken some of the most egregious laws it doesn't take you know i think much you know more what? for them to start to do really dark stuff so yeah you bring up a really important point and i'm really glad that you did because not many people do um not a lot of survivors make it out alive like that's not how our story ends that's another reason why I speak out a lot is because I'm so grateful. Like, I mean, just statistically, the United Nations has said uh, each survivor has 0.04% of ever being identified. So like when I put my life in that, um, in that uh, context, I feel so grateful to be alive and not only am I alive, but I'm capable of speaking, yeah. right? it's not always the most eloquent. Sometimes my mind gets a little wild and crazy and all mixed up or whatever, but like generally speaking, I'm pretty much okay. That's pretty awesome. That's incredible. So, and, and just for the record, I'm very grateful that you got out alive because, because you're doing, you're doing God's work. Seriously. Um, thanks. Man. But no, but for real though. So um, do I think the amount of survivors or the amount of victims, I always get um, sidetracked because I say survivors so many times, but once, once you've passed, then you're a victim. Um, I don't think we'll ever truly know how many uh, victims of Epstein there truly were. And I'm grateful that some made it out alive and long enough to tell what happened and to start to see some justice. Me too. Can I, can I ask you one other thing? Because uh, uh, in that case, um, given his involvement with other politicians and things like that, do you believe that's why it persisted for so long that, it, that he had cover? Because I, I have to assume that's what was going on. Or are, are you every able to talk angle. about that? 
No, I, I can. Um, I'm, I don't go too, too deep, like sure. stuff that I can't talk about. I don't talk about, but, sure, um, sure. Epstein had cover from every single angle possible. He had mainstream media covering for him. He had the institutions that he was donating to at a massive scale covering for him. He had politicians, law enforcement, and other women victim survivors covering for him. The whole world was covering for Jeffrey Epstein. And shout out to the brave few who never let up and kept their boot on his throat. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that he's dead, but because I really would have loved to see him brought in jail. Sure. But, um, I don't think he would have survived jail, let's be honest, but you know what I mean? Prison, prison, but, and, um, but I am grateful that those living survivors got an opportunity to see some justice. And there's more to come. Oh, interesting. Well, I, I won't ask uh, for any further discussion. <laughs> there's more to come. Trust me, there's more to come. Um, well, is there is uh, we're about at the 45 minute mark. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to cover before we? Yeah, I just don't think I really explained the Snowden thing. So I'll just try to bullet point like just rapid fire it really quick. So Please. like so, so so because child sexual abuse material and human trafficking, especially in the digital space, is a big problem right now. Tyrannical governments are using it as an opportunity and as a weapon against big tech and the internet, web servers, everything to gain more access and more control. I want libertarians and ANCAPs to be very aware of what Snowden was talking about. And now, I mean, so you hear me talking, I'm, the, I'm a survivor, I'm a survivor advocate. I'm telling you, governments will be using this as an excuse to gain more control. So um, they're already doing it in India, in Russia. And I'm telling you, if if governments can see an opportunity to gain more control and more access and surveillance over their citizens, they will. They're going to use the actual crime and the actual humanitarian crisis of human trafficking to- um, To increase their power. To increase their power, yep. which they already have. So they're gonna win off human trafficking both ways. Um, the government has never had a, a serious, um, they literally politicians only use and governments only use human trafficking when it's politically convenient. Yeah. Well, and so and it makes... it's upon us. It's upon us, the citizens, to um, take it upon ourselves to deal with it. And it's it's upon big tech companies like Facebook, Twitter, um, TikTok, Snapchat, to handle these things in house before governments can use that as an excuse. I love it. Uh, that's a that's a great warning, honestly, because I think you're exactly right. And can you imagine? Uh, I hope I said know, it right. No, you you nailed it. I, I can you imagine a bill? Um, you know the the prevent, you know, child sex trafficking bill of 2021. Like who, who is going to vote against that? And, and it's going to empower them to do whatever they want when it comes to surveillance and our privacy rights. So I think you're exactly right. Like we they need use, to I mean, they're crime. using human trafficking. So they use human trafficking because it's the most egregious and because people don't want to think about it. They use human trafficking to do um, artificial, uh, like artificial intelligence, facial recognition stuff. Mm -hmm. on people so it's saying like oh we're looking for survivors we're looking for survivors no it, it's it's not that's not useful in every case it's a human rights violation actually to constantly be checking everybody's face um they're using drones uh mm -hmm. in certain countries uh and i it seems helpful like on its face it seems helpful so like right now they're using drones to spy on people looking for uh trafficking survivors on in the sea like in the ocean but and that's helpful because they actually are helping some people, but generally they're just using it to spy. Mm -hmm. 
So I want people to be really cognizant. Like, yes, we have a huge human trafficking problem. Yes, there's a massive child sexual abuse material problem. No, we don't want the government to solve it. We want these private companies to solve it on their own. Put the pressure on the company. A round of applause. That is that is terrific. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's an amazing, Yay! amazing point. Um, well, <clears throat> I think uh, we're we're ready to bring in the man of the hour. <laughs> the man of Liberty Twitter hour. So if Mr. Russell, if you're there, if you could turn your video on for us. Hello. Uh, take a seat, Mr. Russell. Why are, why are you here today? <laughs> I'm sitting down. What do you want? <laughs> I was doing, I was doing my, my Chris Hansen impersonation. It was just a stupid joke. Uh, anyways, right. brother. <laughs> thank, thank you for coming, man. I, I know that you've uh, had your feet held to the fire all week. So um, let's, let's start by getting your, your, you know, opening salvo to what you thought about our conversation leading into this. Oh, with Eliza right now? Yeah, if you don't mind. I mean, does, if there's yeah. anything oh. that you took away from it. Were you listening to a different conversation? <laughs> no, I, I didn't know. No, I, that's great. I want to comment. I didn't know we were going to do this. This is great. Um, I want to say, first of all, Clint, thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh, my you're, pleasure. You're, uh, both Eliza and I think we agree on this. You're a real hero of freedom for doing this because Li Eliza and I think also agree that the main problem we've talked about this is that people literally will not, they're not willing or able to talk about these subjects at all, which causes tremendous harm to everyone, right? I, agree. Um, I wanna say that, I wanna say Eliza, um, thank you for doing this. Thank you for the things you've said on Twitter about taking my ideas seriously, at least to talk about them without agreeing with them necessarily. Um, thank you for not calling me a pedophile and saying I should go into a wood chipper like many hundreds of people have in the last few days. Uh, and we need to talk about this. This is a real serious problem uh, among people who have these ideas about pedophilia under every corner. Uh, it's doing a ton of damage. And, you know, I'm not playing the victim. I'm saying this is terrible for our culture that we have people who basically act as lynch mobs if there's even like the, the faintest possibility that someone might have something to do with pedophilia and I never have in my whole life and I have a mountain of evidence to show that. Sure. But um, I uh, the other thing I want to say about your work, Eliza, is that um, I have been working with sex workers for many years, sex worker activists, and they take quite a different position than you on some things. But the idea of, of taking the issue outside of the purview of the government is completely, as Clint was saying, just the only way we can go forward because you're absolutely right. The government is not our friend. It is not the friend of children who have been raped. It never has. And in fact, it's facilitated some rape of children, as you well know. Yes. And, and so now that's really what I was at the bottom, what I was raising on Twitter this week, because I kept talking about the age of consent laws. That's what I'm primarily interested in. Um, and I think that the age of consent laws need to be revisited and thought about, and we're not allowed to talk about it. I just raised questions about the age of consent and I get called a pedophile and lots of death threats. Uh, and so, but you, on the face of it, you can just look at it. There's obviously some, some clear issues. So for instance, age of consent, even within the United States varies from 16 to 17 to 18. So two states right next to each other have very different legal regimes about this. Um, Europe, across the board, the ages are much lower than the United States. The United States is an outlier. We have among the very highest age of consent laws in the world. 
Saudi Arabia is like about the only other one that has it at 18 or 19. Um, I am, I don't know what the right number is. I have never proffered a particular number. All I know is that there are many, many people on the sex offender registry or in prison who almost all the people who have been calling for me to be killed in the last few days would agree that they had no business being prosecuted in the first place. And a great place to go look about this is a wonderful documentary called Untouchable. It was done by David Feige, a very important documentary filmmaker. He was on my show. And it just follows the cases of several people who have been caught up in the sex offender registry who, trust me, you, no one would think. I mean, one was a woman who's now your age, who when she was 19 had sex with a 17-year-old boy and she's still wearing an ankle bracelet and she's not allowed to, to be anywhere near a schoolyard, anywhere near a downtown. She can't have visitation rights with her children. She can't get a decent job. It's horrific. And there's lots of people who did things again, like when they were 20, 21, and now they're 50 and they still have an ankle bracelet and it's never going away. It's a lifetime sentence to wear that. So there's a I, I ton of people. That's important, right? Like that's really, really important. And I think if we push all those uh -huh. like I peed in public people out, like the like those mm -hmm. those people in the sex offender registry, like there's absolutely no reason that they should be on. And to be brutally honest, I would prefer they they stay the fuck out of my way. To be brutally honest, like I want those people that are on the sex offender registry that for no reason, like we had sex in like if two consenting adults are having sex in a car in public and they get on the sex offender registry, they're actually in my way. So if we could just get those people out of my way, we're good. So we agree on that. Does that make sense? What do you, what do you mean they're in your way? They're in my way for tackling human rights violations against young children. Oh, because it's not an important issue. And it's no. in, in the way, right. Oh, in the of scheme course. of things, that's like, a zero. <laughs> like that's like the least of my concerns. Get them out of my way. Like, I'm this not worried about them. I don't want them clouding up my sex offender registry. In fact, yeah. if anything, I'd rather have an international sex offender registry of folks that are preying on young children, especially in the Bahamas, really impoverished areas. Um, that's more my concern. We're talking about like, so I think those folks that are like having, uh, you know, I, I think so. So we know that. So we're starting off from that same place, right? If you peed in yeah. public, I don't want to see you in my face. Like, get out of my way. Right. 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 So it's a, you know, it's an arbitrary, somewhat arbitrary number, although I wouldn't say it's totally arbitrary. It's basically culturally determined, right? So okay, the so culture of a country. We should start unpacking that because I think where the, okay. where your tweets, and sorry, I'm not trying to come at you crazy, um, where your tweets, I think, I think where people are going to be, okay, first and foremost, and do you prefer Thad or Thaddeus? Thad. Thad, okay. Thad, um, I feel like where, where folks probably get very confused is that you're trying to have an extremely complex and nuanced conversation on Twitter, right. which is not built for those extremely complex and nuanced conversations. So I think, exactly. so I think um, we can have that here, right? We can have a comfortable, open, I'm not going to judge you. Hopefully I can meet you where you're at and you can meet me where I'm at and we can start to unpack a little bit more of what we're talking about. So let's first and foremost, take all the people off the sex offender registry um, that shouldn't be on, right? Um, okay, well that's, but that's actually a question, right? So right. because- so we need to get into the first part of that question, but we're gonna yeah. have to unpack okay. this slowly, Thad, I think. Oh yeah. Oh, it's enormously complex. Do you wanna start the, with the sex offender registry and like what that would look like or? And the stakes, and the stakes are enormous. So can, can let me, um, let me just enormous. hop in for two seconds. I, I just wanna say yeah. that like that, that for me is I think the, the valuable aspect of this conversation that, that gets overlooked mm -hmm. because people are so 
uh, this is such a taboo subject. Everyone's like, mm -hmm. well, think about the kids. So then no one cares about these adults that are innocent that have their mm -hmm. lives ruined. And, and yeah. obviously everyone cares about the kids here. So I don't think right. any, I don't think anyone has any disagreement there. So I, I do want to just focus a little bit on the fact that there are, you know, tens of thousands of otherwise peaceful, non-predatory people who yeah. can't get a job, who have to declare yeah. to their neighbors that they're a predator and all sorts of shit. I mean, if Correct. we can't resolve that, I, I think that it, it kind of comes first in that you, you kind of need to get rid of that problem before you can actually address the, the, the more serious one, which is that children's lives are at risk. Completely. So I just want to say something before Liza, we do the, the sex offender registry thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. My, I want people to know what my position is on this. Okay. okay. So okay. I, cool. I, Sorry even, if I even, interrupted. <laughs> even, no, 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 no. It's all good. Even though I praised you and Clint for being anti-statist on this question, and I am an anti-statist almost all the time. Okay. When except, you say anti-statist, so I know, do you mean exactly like, what do you mean? Like an like anarchist. Okay. Cool. I'm I'm kind of an. I mean, I don't like ANCAP? labels. I hate labels. I hate okay, labels. Cool. Okay. I'm just trying to get. But, but I feel. I'll like tell you. Let me this tell you, conversation so, is very nuanced and it's going to get clipped. So I want to make sure we're crystal clear about sure. where the parameters are. I'll tell you. So, I mean, in terms of my politics, I've said this publicly. I'm happy to say this. If I were a congressperson, my record would look like 99% like Ron Paul's. Okay, cool. Okay. Then there's a bunch of other stuff, right? <laughs> I have ideas about culture and society that are different yeah. than libertarian stuff. So I'm very different than a lot of libertarians on other issues. But on economics, public policy, I'm pretty much straight ANCAP. So okay. that's who I, you know, I think like, okay. Um, here, so, but having just declared that I'm an ANCAP, uh, guess what? <laughs> I have a um, way of bringing things out of people. Well, you brought my, you didn't, but the issue brought the statism yeah. out of me. And because my position on this is that maybe we can do it without the state. I don't really see that happening. I'd love it for it to happen. But people who abuse, molest and rape or rape children need to be put into concentration camps very far away for a very long time. That's my position, hang on, 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 on the children part. Then, so that's happening. There Say are that children- again for the record, cause I think that's important. I said it all over Twitter. I said it all, <laughs> I said it many times all over Twitter. They are hearing um, you, Betty. They, that, they, they're not hearing you. Because they're too busy uh, calling me a pedophile for no reason whatsoever. Uh, no, uh, they obviously, if you can't control your urge to rape a child, I mean, especially a prepubescent child, I don't see how that can't be identified as rape because I don't think that prepubescent children really have an interest in sex. Um, so it's just definitionally rape to me. And then we can talk about teenagers, which is gets murkier, right? But like certainly anybody of any age who is molested, assaulted or raped, I believe and can't control that urge has to be separated from society. Now, here's the difference between me and a lot of the people who have been calling for my death on Twitter. What I see, not from you and not from a lot of people uh, who kind of work in your space, and especially women, I think it's mostly men who do this, they seem basically only interested in proving how badly they're going to kill a pedophile. They don't seem to care that much about protecting children. So if I were to come across someone raping a child, I mean, of course, my first instinct is I sick of this fuck a wood chipper gun is much easier and cheaper and faster. Um, but that's not really my primary interest. My primary interest is making sure this never happens again. 
And so that I don't see, unfortunately, I wish there was some other alternative, but I don't see any other way but to forcibly remove those people from society. Now, at the same time, and I also know, partly because of your work and the work of many, many other people, that this is going on. It's not going on on a small scale. No one knows exactly how big, but I'm, I know for sure that it's really, really big. There are a lot of children who are being ass assaulted, molested, or, or raped. And I'm a father. My son's 19. Aw, I didn't know that. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, for, for people to say that I don't care about kids and they don't, and it's just, I don't even need to get into this. I do not need to defend myself, but um, it's a huge problem that needs to be dealt with. The state fucks it up entirely. And you are about the only person I've ever heard of really in a serious way, trying to offer solutions that are non-state. But I'm saying to you, I think actually, I think we do need the state to do something very severe to, very severe to these people. Um, but at the very same time, I am also terribly concerned, as Clint was saying, about the great, and you were saying, the great number of people who are either in prison or have an ankle bracelet on or can't get a job or are simply just their pariahs in their community, right? And it's eternal, it's for the rest of their lives. And I think part of that problem, a lot of that problem is I think that our age of consent law might be too high. And I would like maybe, maybe, I'm not even sure, maybe to move more toward the European models. That's it, that's it. Okay, that's not bad. I mean, I get what you're saying. And I feel like, that's I all mean, I ever said. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I listen, I've gone my rounds on Twitter where I've had 3,000 people talking trash on me. I made a comment, a nice comment once about Kanye West. And I had like people telling me, I wish your trafficker had killed you. I wish your pimp had still been pimping you. Like wow. wild stuff that you just never would expect. So um, you've been taking it for a few days. So I think, so that's a good starting point. I think, um, I think. <laughs> Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, I think that this conversation, you, you kick the hornet's nest and I'm not opposed to kicking a hornet's nest on Twitter. Um, that's a way to get a lot of engagement and get to get a conversation started. I think when we have conversations like this, people want to throw them in the wood chipper, send them off, um, you know, whatever about guns, right. a wood chipper, whatever. I think mm -hmm. it's funny. Like I laugh at the wood chipper stuff, but um, ultimately it really doesn't help me find solutions. It doesn't um, help children. It doesn't help children either. Right. I mean, maybe temporarily, but probably not really. And no. I've never actually heard of anyone getting thrown in a wood chipper. It's, it's funny for me, like on some comical, like, um, Alex Jones, like it's comical, but it's not, um, yeah. solutionary. Like it doesn't help yeah. me. In I'm interested in, I'm, I'm interested in saving people, not killing them. So I think that you tackled a very difficult nuanced discussion in a, in a space that wasn't probably um, adequate for that. So, okay, that's out of the way. We know that maybe a little bit too much. I think um, we could visit these conversations, but first and foremost, we have to set the parameter of, are we speaking under the context? Are, are we speaking under the context of the way the law currently is? And in which, mm -hmm. and in which state are we speaking under libertarianism or speaking under and Kapistan? What are we speaking right. under? So like, what's mm -hmm. the parameter from in which we're starting this conversation? That's the question. It right. seems as if it's a, a status paradigm, because if we're talking about age of consent being a law, I mean, that's a statist solution is that you're going to have a hard and fast rule across the board that at a certain age, it's okay. And at a certain age, it's 
wood chipper. And so it, and it apply and it applies to everybody. That's to me another problem. One size fits all when human development, child development, you know, is radic radically varies across people. And I right? agree I with mean, you there. I do yeah, agree I mean, with you I, there. Um, so I didn't, I think, I didn't reach puberty until I was seventeen. I mean, I couldn't have sex really until then. But other, but other people. <laughs> TMI, TMI. No, but um, <laughs> no, but um, I a long like, time ago. I'm not. It's fine. I'm not <laughs> sensitive about it. You're good. Um, but I think that fad where the conversation where you're trying to have it is in a like almost like an ANCAP society and folks are not there or am I tripping? Am I off base or am I right? I, I just don't, I'm not sure what you mean. Like, are you trying to have a conversation about what you want the world to be? Or are you trying to have a conversation about the way that the world is? I want to have, I want everyone to have the first conversation, right? Which is, I think this is the problem about this issue and I don't have answers. I don't okay. have an age. I don't have a law. Okay. In fact, I'd rather not have laws, but yeah. you know, but there may be necessary. Like I need to put my people in the concentration camp. So that's probably a law. Um, but um, so there are, you know, that's not the only thing I said on Twitter. What it, where it started was. We all say a lot on Twitter. <laughs> where it started was, is that I have known and you probably known and Clint's probably known Many, many, many people, women and men over the years, many of them I've known extremely well because I was dating them or married to them, um, who had their first sexual experience as 12, 13, 14, 15 year old with an adult. And they, across the board, don't feel like they were victimized at all. And these are people who are now like my age in their 50s, okay? So they still think this. They don't think there was a victim. They don't think the guy deserved anything. Sometimes, yeah, it was always a guy because um, a lot of gay men have this. A lot of gay men have this. It's very common among gay men. That's what Milo was talking about. He's just stating a fact that a lot of gay men had their first sexual experience with a man when they were technically children. And I've talked to so many of them who said this to me. Not only was it not bad, it was a wonderful experience. And what do we do with that? You know, I was, I was with a woman for a long time, uh, we were the same age, so people aren't getting confusion about this. Uh, we uh, started dating when I was 27 and she was 26 and we stayed together for 15 years. And her first relationship was started when she was 15 and it was with her in, uh, high school English teacher and it lasted for three years. I think he was in his 30s. Um, a thousand percent illegal. Uh, everybody on Twitter tells me that they would put him through a wood chipper. And I'm telling you that she never once has thought about the relationship as anything other than just a relationship. And so for him to be put in, a, in prison or killed or even ostracized would make no sense to her. And actually seeing, I'm pretty sure she would see it as a terrible injustice. And I can tell you stories of many, many other women and men who have told me just that. And so that raises a really hard question. I'm not saying this is an easy answer, right? This is a tough, tough question. It's, it's the hardest question. I don't have an answer, but it is a question that we have to deal with because a lot of those people do in fact end up in prison or killed. And do we really want that to happen? Especially retroactively. You know, if you have a woman who it turns out, you know, she's 50 years old, but when she was 15, she, this thing happened. Do we really want to go get that guy and stick him in Attica? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't I don't think so. But that's all I said on Twitter. Right. Yeah. And all I said on Twitter. And that was bit, that was I just think it's probably a bit much for Twitter. Right. Uh, I, I, I keep going back. So. So let's, 
Uh, because it's not a simple sentence answer. And especially yeah, it requires no further elaboration, what, which is what it, we're doing it, here. It, sure. it requires a lot of nuance and especially sure. it doesn't come down to how the child feels. Uh, when we see something like how the child feels, that's going to be a red flag for um, grooming behavior. But if you want to talk, have a serious conversation, um, we could talk about the fact that, um, you know, so when we're talking about, um, the bounds of what Sorry, could can I just be clarify? Possible. Sorry, I just want to clarify. That's a super important point. I need to clarify that. So what I meant by that was like this woman I was describing, the child and their consciousness going forward through adulthood. If their consciousness about this thing through adulthood. Yeah, but that's not what you said. You, the, the tweet said how it depends on how the child feels. When you add no, child no. and feels, you come on, that is, that I, you're a smart I, man. No, I don't need to I, explain this to you. No, I understand that. But yeah. if you look at the context of the tweet, it's obvious that's what I was referring to. I was referring to this woman specifically. Yeah, and but we don't cherry pick when we talk about situations like this because we talk about society as a whole, right? So you're so talking you know, about a specific instance. But and we're so not I'm, talking about how your friend feels. And I know you're close to that person and that's great. I, I mean, I'm a survivor of child sexual, <laughs> sexual human trafficking. I can tell you how I feel. I'm not feeling too good about it right now. So we can always talk about how we feel or we can talk about everybody as a whole, right? So let's talk about the problem as a whole, not how one how one person feels. Does that sure. make sense? Well, I mean, I'm talking about many people, but okay, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, you actually, would you would certainly acknowledge that there are many people who are you know, 13, 14, 15 that have sex with an adult and then feel as if they were taken advantage of too. Oh, 100%. Okay. Okay, so let's focus many, on the many, worst. Many, many. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. so let's let's pretend like we all have our like utopia. So if 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 I could answer this in utopia, right? In my like uh, you know, perfect in cap utopia. Each community, each community and each um so it would be each caregiver, parent and community, including teachers, um potential faith leaders and neighbors will decide if the child is ready to consent. And, and look at the child's behavior. Do they have a job? How is their education going? Are they, are they cognitively available to have uh, sex with this individual? And then um, also look at the history of the individual as well. So does this, um, does this individual have a history of abuse? Um, yep. And then you go from there. Yep. So that's I the answer. Um, and I feel that these are conversations because, um, you know, in different cultures, um, you cannot turn your back on different cultures and you have to respect them. But in an ANCAP society, you also have to expect that if someone engages in a relationship where it's not um, seen by the community, by the very small community as uh, agreed upon, you have to accept the consequences. That's oh, the answer. I, I agree with everything you just said 100%. That's I mean, the answer. That's, but, but you weren't adding that nuance. But that you were not adding that nuance on Twitter and you know it. And I'm not trying to be mean to you. Like I'm cool. Like we're cool, but I'm just like, okay. you were adding yeah. that on, you weren't adding that in. And I was like, yo, that's a smart person. Like, why is he, why are you dropping the ball? Maybe it's because you didn't have anyone to talk to about it. I'm here to talk to you about it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> in, in a perfect no. well, world, we could all agree. Sure. And honestly, that I wish that communities were small like that and involved in their children's lives. I truly feel that child sexual abuse, child sexual abuse material and human trafficking would diminish by quite a bit. And that's partly why I'm ANCAP, right? That's what led me to this because I see the yeah. government's fumbling this. And, and do I feel that some, adult, that some minors are more equipped to engage in sexual activity with adults than others? Yes, but we always look at the, at the most. Um, so when we set those numbers, right? We set them uh, for life expectancy. 
So life expectancy has changed. Also in different countries, different children have different ex- like things expected upon them. So children yeah. can be expected to clean, work, and maybe not even getting educated because they're expected to raise their siblings because their sure. parents are working in fields. So when we're comparing to other countries, we have to put that all into the play. Does that make sense? 100%. In yeah. some countries, they're expected to get married when they're 12, right? 100%, I mean, yeah, so we have to sure. put all this. So so in a society where we're all living, um, like, I guess, ANCAP or like ANCAP, um, you know, I'm expected to live as neighbors with folks that might marry at 12. Yeah. And then we have to. And so the way that that works is you decide whether or not your neighbor. So eventually, if you decide, OK, this community over here is on some heavy um exploitation of children, then as a community, as the neighbor, you would take over that community. And that's oh, okay. how Sure. Well, my my I mean, buddy, my good, my buddy, Jose Galasan from No Way Jose uh, tweeted out and a bunch of people agreed with it. I don't know how I feel about it. I kind of lean towards his, uh, his option here. He says that the, the age of consent is whatever age I decide that it's irrational to put a yeah. bullet in the brain of the person and that's I, sleeping with you my know child. What? And you know what? I, I, I think I said I agree with that. I have no problem with that. I mean, yeah. I think. The, yeah, I did, I mean, honestly, I it. honestly, it's a good enough deterrent that it would keep a ton of people from well, even considering I it. Think, I think what we're missing in this conversation, it was also forced parents to be a part of their children's lives, which we are lacking right now. This is a big problem of why oh this is God, happening yes. in the first place. If you're if you are involved oh in your God, children's yes. life and I know not everybody has a perfect family structure, but the caregivers lives, I mean. If, if you are responsible for deciding whom a young person engages in um, intercourse with, then I think that you would be a little bit more involved in that ch- child's life. And this comes down to teachers, neighbors, caregivers, um, yes. sports teachers, all this stuff. So I think yes. that that would be ideal. And I think that's the conversation you're trying to have that. But that's not, it's not coming out on Twitter. <laughs> well, we're here now. That's what we're doing. Yeah. As you yeah. said, it, it doesn't, well, you can't do this on Twitter. So that's why I, I no, called No, you can't. Yeah. So as I far as the feelings go, <laughs> so, the, so the community and the caregivers would decide if the, if the child is being groomed, manipulated, or coerced. Of course. So the child doesn't decide necessarily. And at what point do they decide that maybe we could debate on cognitive ability um sure does I think, that make sense yeah oh I yeah think, oh I yeah think there's a, we're yes. kind of dance dancing around the issue here i i mean we're not we're not dancing around it but i think that I think, there's a there there's a folk there's a focal point focal question that needs to be addressed is can a kid because if you're 13 mm-hmm. i would still kind of consider you a kid can mm-hmm. they consent you know whether or not mm-hmm. they feel okay about it once yeah. they become an adult can yeah. can they consent Really, it's it's a question that I don't have an answer for. It's tough, right? Is it tough? Well, to you? Or is that clear? No, because I think when we look in history, right? So when we look when we look at life expectancy, like before, I probably would have already been dead. I mean, I'm a 40 year old woman, so I probably would have already been dead at many points in history. Um, so I would have had to have had children earlier. Um, now, with the use of modern technology, I still have a chance, right? But um, in the past, I would have had to start uh, having intercourse earlier. And that would have required me to start around the time of menstruation. And sometimes uh, children can menstruate around uh, t- very young. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it depends on the culture. 
I think it depends. Well, first and foremost, we're speaking and just for clip purposes only, right, gentlemen, um, we're speaking in the context of like total NCAP like environment, right? We're not speaking under the context of like the, the laws as they are written right now. I always stick to the laws as they're written right now. So we're talking in a totally different universe where, um, you know, we're not ran by the state, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think that the community and the child, if the child so desires to have intercourse with an adult, the parents, caregivers, and anyone that's, I mean, it's just what I just said. I, I, that would be up to if the child has desire and if the community also decides that the person that they're supposed to have intercourse with has, is not using force, fraud, coercion, manipulation. Of course. Cause absolutely. In, in, in I mean, weird, we, we do this with, I'm a Christian, right? I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ, right? And I know a lot yeah. of people are going to be like, but who am I to say and push my morality on another person? Yeah. That's not and, how we do beautiful. life, right? That's, that's so, beautiful. So if someone comes from a culture, so if someone comes to um, in Kapistan and moves in next to me and they're used to children procreating at a very young age, it's not mm -hmm. for me to push my morality on them, Um it's for us to decide as a community. And yeah. if life expectancy is longer, I don't see a, a need to procreate. And I think most communities would decide and most care caregivers would decide, you know what? The 12 year old, 13 year old, 14 year old probably doesn't have the cognitive ability to have sex with this 40 year old. And maybe we need yeah. to further educate this child on yeah. the uh, ramifications of procreation, yes. uh, of what it looks like to, to have a child, right? Because as soon yeah. as you demonstrate, you can have a child, you know, um, and this could lead to more conversations. I, I mean, this is, but this of course is in like my fantasy world, right? This isn't even the, like the world we live in now. So that's oh, how yeah. I feel. Yeah, I think we just need to figure yeah, out, figure out what our fantasy world is so that we can then try and adjust. Maybe fantasy the, isn't the right word for well, this. Well, yeah, no, this is a terrible, terrible use yeah. of fantasy in this conversation. <laughs> Bad choice of words. My Bad ideal choice word. of words. Sorry. <laughs> you know okay. what I'm saying? I'm saying if we, if we can figure out what our um, utopic vision is of the answer, then maybe we can help to you know, reformulate this current dystopia that we live in to be a little bit better. So anyways, Thaddeus, go ahead and right. hop in there. I was just going to say, as you were talking, I was reminded of another thing that's personal that really illuminates this for me is that uh, I have a family member who was a girl who was 15 and at the age of 15, it might've even been 14. She was dead set on getting pregnant. She needed a kid. Yes. She absolutely needed. And so she was literally uh, uh, climbing out the window at night and going to find boys and I was on 24 seven watch to keep her in the house. <laughs> um, so, so that's what you're talking about, right? Um, it was my family, basically, you know, we joined forces to keep her contained. It didn't ultimately work because she snuck out one night and now she has two kids um, at the age of 22 or something. Yeah. I mean, it's a wrecked life. Um, and so. I bet yes. it did in some ways and in some ways it probably made it better. That's a good, very good point. And I actually really appreciate you saying that because I don't want to deny her her perceived need, right, for a child. And she came from just the worst childhood you can imagine. She was a feral child. She was completely abandoned, living on the streets. They found her naked with her sister. I mean, it was just the worst, worst, worst. And so you can, you can it's not hard to understand why she desperately wanted a child, right? Um, but I think I said to your friend, was it Jose Gallison on Twitter? It's also very natural, right? Like it's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a woman, so I feel this, um, well, for a this lot of internal women. <laughs> urge, like I always right. want to have a kid, but, um, 
it's just not happened from, you yeah. know, well, it could have happened, but it's just not. In the so way it's what, what I said to Jose Gallison, right? Is that his name? Yes. Um, uh, I said, sure, children can consent to a lot of things, but parents have every right to stop them from doing it. You know, and that that's not just for sex. That's like playing on the freeway. That's doing drugs. That's a thousand things that I told my son not to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and made and made him not to do. And sometimes physically restrained him from doing stuff. Right. And this is what you have to do, unfortunately, as a parent to keep these children alive and safe and happy. <laughs> so I love I love, love, love your model of granting autonomy and a sense sovereignty to the family and the in the immediate community people who actually know know the child who know the children unlike the goddamn government um yeah i'm here for you on that one i love that yeah um i just but then but we've only just begun right that's a fantastic start but then we got to but it's the nitty-gritty that's the hard part like how do we define child how do we define abuse how do we define all these things, right? Um, and that's where it's tough. And so like the world disagrees on those issues, right? Some countries think it's 12, 13, 14. Some countries think it's 17, 18, 19. Where do we go on this? And so should, there be, should there even, and should there, hang on, should there even be a uniform law, right? As Clint was saying earlier, does that even make sense? A uniform law applying to all people everywhere? I don't think that makes sense to me, so. Yeah, so the the example that I like to use is, um, you know, I live on a farm and a lot of children near my farm, uh, including myself at a young age and my father, especially knew we knew how to drive at a very young age and knew how to drive tractors and stuff. Um, Sometimes kids around the farm are driving at like age nine, like driving farm trucks at age nine. Um, That doesn't mean just because they can reach the pedals and drive doesn't mean that they should be allowed to drive at age nine, nor should they get a driver's permit or a license, right? right? So um, just because a kid can, doesn't mean that they should. And I think we could take it a step further is like, just because they can get a license at 16, doesn't mean that, um, that insurance companies necessarily don't recognize that there's still a threat until like 25, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they still have a higher limit for them on um, insurance until 25. So I think just because a child can have sexual activity doesn't necessarily mean that they should be having sexual activity. And uh, I think that that's uh, really, really important. And you always, under all circumstances, um, you always predict for the worst case scenario. And then you set the bar there. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I do. I mean, that's what we should do. And that's what we have done in the United States. So, well, and also you have to look, um, you know, the children in the United States are not given the same responsibility as we're just not. The children in the United States are not given the same responsibility uh, overall as a whole. Like if you look at the whole country as other countries, so we can't treat children in the United States the same way that we're treating children in, the, in other countries. I think we should I'm just curious. What do you mean by, I don't know what you're talking about. What is, what is I, that? I think she means like they, they work in other cultures. They'll work when they're younger and things like that. Whereas oh, for the most oh. part, kids here don't, they don't have a responsibility yeah. to earn, to provide well, for their family, things like that. This, this is a problem that kind of underlies a lot of it. We insist on, on maintaining this pure childhood until 18 or even extending it. Right. And where they don't have anything adult and that, and sex is part of it. We want to protect them from everything adult. That's our impulse as a society, which I don't think is that healthy for them. Well, it's not really working. I mean, 
Child yeah. sexual abuse is absolutely horrible. Rampant 2020 was the worst reported year in history. Not laughing. Mm. It's just so bad that it's like, if you don't laugh, you cry. Um, you know, human trafficking hotlines off the chain. Human trafficking numbers are off the chain. Child sexual exploitation. I mean, this every number that we have by any statistic available is off the chain. So um, children are accessing pornography at a higher rate. I have no problem with pornography. I just don't think children should have access to it. It's not... Um, I mean, I guess that could be a whole other debate, but I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of other things. It's like children, we, it's a hot mess. So I, we're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. It uh, starts I, with the parents. Mm -hmm. It starts at home. I agree with that for sure. I, I do want to push back against one thing, one point that you made, Eliza, you said that, you know, you set the bar based off of protecting, you know, in the worst case scenario, mm -hmm. if you do that, I mean, you could make a compelling argument that, you could put it at 21 or 24 when the brain is more fully developed and you could, because obviously there are some people that are 18, 19 that feel as if they were taken advantage by someone in their thirties or forties or fifties or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So we don't. So you, so you based off life, life expectancy. So okay. like that has adjusted based off life expectancy. So it's going to be 18 based off of life expectancy. Whereas if you move the bar lower, <laughs> the age of consent goes like the, the age of where folks start. I just think I think that's a that's a fascinating way to to readjust the the bar because it's like your your desire. Let's just be honest. I, as a teenager, we also I, have a lot more science. Yeah, no, we do. But, but, but gangster, we have a lot more science. We know brain. Cog I mean, I'm not like I'm not like a genius or anything. It's just like we have more science. We know that yeah. the brain isn't developed until like dang near 25. Oh, well, exactly. But that's that's exactly well, my point. And I'm that's saying actually that's actually debated I mean, among scientists. You could get it together. Like, listen, Dad, this isn't my area of expertise. I'm just a survivor, Thad. You could get me together. All I'm saying is um, we okay. base the 18 off of life expectancy. Okay. Well, let, let me let me make my point real quick. It's that- Can I- Okay. okay. I, I just wanted to say that, you know, most teenagers have sexual drive. I, yeah. I had sex when I was a teenager. <laughs> yes. I did. You don't say. So yeah, I did a few times. Uh, I don't know. I've been how, a perfect angel, total virgin my whole life. Okay. I don't know how I tricked this poor girl into doing it, but she did. God bless her. Um, anyways. Uh, and, and I just think it's, it's bizarre to me, to be honest, that we set a bar and we just say above this, totally okay. Below this, the worst thing you could possibly do. And it, and right. because it's a solid state bar, it is, it's by its very nature, it becomes arbitrary and it becomes dangerous because you have so many but other- your problem is with the state. Well, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Is, all your yeah. problem is with the state. I, okay. I yeah. agree. Right. That, That's, I agree. You're your talking about- the state. Eliza, am I right, Eliza, that you are talking about a decentralized approach to this problem rather than a centralized state approach? There's absolutely no way that the, uh, the United States being so big that they could make one law or even it through a state. I live in, Fantastic. well, I don't want to say where I live, but I live in a state that's very, um, one city is real wild. And then I live in the country way far away. We're making laws for one city that's way far away from me. So um, no, I'm, that's why I am the way I am. That's why I'm more ANCAP. That's why I want, but we can't necessarily argue on Twitter with the way we want things to be and present good arguments and bring people over to our side. If we start with the most egregious wild argument, like um, we can't do it. 
It's not uh, like I, realistic. I think you know? I think yeah. what, what I'm trying Agreed. to ask is, do you think that it would make sense because we don't live in Ankapistan? Yeah. Do you think it would make more sense to have a uniform bar that's set for across the country? Because let's be honest, we're not going to get them to remove this and have the community become tight knit and have a better culture that looks after kids and have, right. uh, you know, fathers that are are always present. Like this is this is utopic. Like we're not going to get there right now no. so no. Well, they won't, they won't so, allow it. wait hold on they won't allow it but we can still do it well yes and and, and i intend to in my in my personal life so I, i'm simply asking about you don't break do the we... law wait just let's back up okay right? you don't break the law right well i break the law a lot i drive fast I mean, I, what know. do you mean hold on hold on this with is children <laughs> with children with children let's make crystal clear that i'm trying to save you right now you don't break the law with children no. right so like we keep the laws the way it is. We don't do whatever we want to with this issue just because oh. we want it a certain way. Right? Like like vi like vigilante justice, you mean? Like wood chipper stuff? No vigilante justice, and also we don't we when we're when we're dealing with children in a sexual manner, we all always abide by the law. The okay. way that it is written, not how we want it to be, right? Uh, okay, I get. Yeah, I have to think about that. I'm just not sure what that means, but yeah. I think I think um, she's asking you if you've ever broken the law with a child. No, no, no. I'm not asking no? that. No, okay. no, no. I'm not asking that. I just, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So everyone involved in this conversation can agree that we abide by the law, that we don't do vigilante behavior. We also would never violate a child in, in, in a, against the way the law that is current currently written, regardless of how well, we feel. We still abide by the law, right? Yeah. Well, yes, but I. Mean, I I'm not 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 I don't every know law though. So <laughs> here I am being like more harsh on pedophiles. Um, like <laughs> if if I I mean if you hello I mean if I came across someone raping a child, I'm very likely to do serious bodily damage to him, which might be illegal. So is that not okay? I mean, it's up to you. You know the consequences of that under the current system. It's not for me to decide, but or what well, you. Well, if, if it was my son, for sure. But really, any kid. So is it not okay to do that? I, I'm from a different school of thought. I'm really nuanced with okay. that. I feel like abusers, pimps, pedophiles should be studied. Um, okay. Desperate, desperate need to study these folks um, because okay. I think you probably get more to the grind. Like idea of why the crime is happening in the first place. Is it like a pattern of abuse? Is it uh, abuse in the home? Is it, you know, I, this is understudied and I'm like one of the only advocates in the United States that will serve uh, survivors that are also, also convicted um, abusers as well. So wow. um, I, have a, I have a strong compassion for folks that, wow. um, you know, I just, I don't know why I, I, it's probably because I'm, I have like a very like, um, like Jungian, like a sense of myself where I can recognize my own shadow. Wow. So um, because I'm able to like, look at that and say like, okay, I'm capable of doing ABCD, not with children per se, but just dark, very dark things. Um, it's not that I have compassion for folks. It's just like, I have a really, I have a desperate need to understand them because I want to solve the crime. Okay. So I, I think your, I think, I think your approach is better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. every, um, listen, everybody wants the wood chipper approach. And I feel like that's very natural, but you also have to think I, I live here. I'm not a tourist. Like I live here. So yeah, right. when you really live here, you want to get to the bottom of it. Cause you I'll don't tell you it's if that's I, amazing. It, it, it is. It amazing is amazing. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing. And I'll tell you, if I were to walk into a room and stumble upon it, I would punch until my knuckles broke. So um, I, mean, I can't. Yeah. You know, I'm just but, being honest. But that's at the same time. Yeah. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's like the elevated, 
you know, <laughs> Zen approach. I'm just telling you, I would end that that person well, probably. So well, I would really like it, even though I myself have this impulse that Clint has and so many other people have. Like I really wish that Eliza's idea would get more traction and people would listen to it because the whole wood chipper, wood chipper thing, as we've said, stops the conversation. It stops the understanding. It stops the exploration of the issue. It stops finding real solutions because talking about wood chippers helps no child. That helps no child. So explain, because maybe I'm confused because I stepped into the Twitter conversation like, okay, Hmm. so all I saw was your tweet I saw, um, I think his name is, what is his name? Lee? Quote tweet you? I forget his name. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't even know what's a he. I, I think don't it's Lee Enfield. Yep. I don't want to misgender. <laughs> it's a guy. Um, don't worry about it. He's a buddy. Okay. Uh, I'm very like specific about that. But um, so I saw the quote tweet and then I saw a couple tweets underneath. One of my followers brought me into the conversation was like, hey, I see you follow Thaddeus, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's you know, how I got brought in too. Yeah. You condone this. And that's how I was brought in. I did not see any mention of libertarianism. I didn't see any mention of like the way the world could be or the way the world maybe should be. I was putting it, I was addressing it with the way that the world is and the way that the laws are currently set up. So what did I miss and what did people miss that were maybe watching from the outside? Yeah. So um, go to my tweets and replies and you can see, because I, I tweeted god knows how many dozens of tweets but by reply so i think a lot of people can't see all of it but you can see if you do that you can see all the things that i said which is a lot of things to many different people so it's sort of scattered that's part of the problem um i don't know i mean i definitely like i agreed with several people who offered solutions that were sort of similar to yours okay um and i certainly agreed with what i said you know the right of parents to decide what the hell their children do of course or caregivers (laughs) or caregivers and it's sure. And especially when it has to do with sex with adults. I mean, my goodness gracious, I'd be a big cop myself if my son were involved with that. So um, that's it. I mean, I know it's to tell you, but I didn't. I well, look, you just educated me. I mean, I love your vision. I've never heard that vision. And it's just it's the best I've heard, honestly. And I didn't expect it. I didn't even know you would come with that. And it's really wonderful. So cool, I'm not like a, I don't even have a GED. It's just uh, I see how the world is. And I well, see what. Yeah, sorry. I just I'm actually like really pleasantly surprised that I I think that our (laughs) our views are sort of converging. Actually, I really do. I mean, they're not they're really close because I'm really fundamentally what I'm talking about is this a decentralized approach that's non-state. That's it. Communities and parents. That's it. But you understand that when you approach an extremely difficult, nuanced conversation. I mean, and this is very um, this is right. You have to remember, there's many, many survivors out there. Many, many survivors. Molestation, mm-hmm. incest, sexual assault, mm-hmm. domestic violence, human trafficking. Many, many survivors. And for some reason, there a lot of them are on Twitter um, and just around us. We have to be very conscientious when we're having this conversation that we put our most vulnerable and our most traumatized in, in that conversation. We have to be con- very conscientious. And I even myself as like the survivor of the year that I, I myself, uh, stumble on this. Like I get too gangster with it. I get too used to it. I get too, um, flip it with my response and to whatever, whatever. But the mm. truth is like survivors are watching. And when, um, somebody mm. that has been molest, molested, uh, incest situation, when they see a comment, like, yeah, 
it's going to hit them a little different. So I think in the future that, and Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, but like, if you could maybe just not step on the landmine, especially something that affects so many lives and look how you want to do your Twitter, do your Twitter. It's your Twitter. It has your name on it, your picture on it. Do you the same with me? But, um, I don't want you to fall into a, a, a pit hole where you're, um, putting Liberty at risk, right? Because you yeah. speak, you have a big platform. Um, you're somebody I've seen on many with my, a lot of my heroes getting interviewed. And I don't, because you speak for a lot of people that maybe can't speak because they have a square job and they got to feed their family or because you speak from a point of, um, you're a very intelligent man. Um, and you also have a big platform as well and a big podcast and everything. Maybe like, wait, let's not step on landmines. Let's have these difficult nuanced conversations that could affect and impact many lives because you have that platform. I know it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, agreed. And hundred percent. I mean, but let me say though, that, you know, that you really can't say anything about this without being called a pedo. I mean, you really I speak can't about it all day, every day. Phrase. And I've never been called a pedo. Well, that's a lie. I've been well, called a pedo once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but not, I mean, you can't call into question like age of consent laws, like what I did without people just immediately wanting to kill you. They won't, they won't have that conversation. And that's a very basic, totally harmless conversation to have. I'm talking about Sweden and France and, you know, Germany's well, laws. Actually, and I'm talking about, about probably the most difficult conversation for libertarians and ANCAPs to have. I mean, this is where everyone always messes sure. up and this is probably the most egregious when we're talking about human rights violations against children. Um, sure no laughing matter and it happens a lot and this is where everyone's like okay well what do you do about this what do you do about this okay well everyone's coming at it from a weird ass perspective and they're not digesting it but you're trying it's it i'm not gonna accuse you of being intentionally inflammatory but it's like you inflammatory but it's like dog you stepped on a landmine and it's just not oh clearly with your platform (laughs) i feel like with your platform um it might know. be better. It might be better used in podcast format, though. I think that hmm. you have also been. Uh, I've done that. And, I know. I, I was just going to say. I think you've also been dragged and for I, doing exactly that. And, I, <laughs> so, I, mean, and I, I anticipate being dragged as well. So I mean, I, yeah, no. I wrote an article in the Daily Beast twelve years ago about age of consent laws, and then I did a whole podcast episode a few months ago with a professor of philosophy um, at the State University of New York about it. And so my ideas have been out there for a long time. Um, and what and did simple. you say? What did you say on those? I'm so sorry. Oh, well, um, the article is essentially what I presented here um, today. The The podcast, it was mostly his ideas that we were dealing with, but that's that's super complicated. Um, it's just it would be hard to go through it right now. But my my main argument is what I said here and what I say in that article that I put out um, on the Daily Beast. So it's um, yeah, just the age of consent is I think it's problematic in this country especially and i think also the other thing is so you said the extreme... age of consent is problematic but you had no solution your solution it was age what, of consent is what a... you said no 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 not because i didn't know about your solution until just now oh. so i really like your solution. <laughs> i didn't i didn't have a solution i didn't have a solution because because even though I've been thinking about this, no one's allowed to talk about it, right? So it's really hard to come up with a solution. I don't get to talk to people like you actually know stuff because you get shut down <laughs> no, when, when, you, when you raise the question. You have to understand it's very like, because you're dealing with extreme trauma survivors, mm-hmm. men, 
men talking about um, men that haven't stepped forward as survivors um, are always going to be seen a type of way. Like, I mean, if malice had had this conversation, if Hotep had this dude, it's just the way it is. I can have this conversation because people are going to be like, okay, pretty sure Liza's not a pedo, you know, like, that's the truth. They're going to be like, okay, she's a survivor. She's yeah. been transparent about her story. She wants to help. She, she cares. Um, she loves children. God, I love children. Um, and it's just like, okay, so I already have that era about me, but when you, especially with no context, come out and say, it depends on the feeling of the child. It's like yep. a totally different energy, sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. So, so that's why. Well, sure. I think that's, no. that's part of the taboo that we're talking about is that like, I, you know, I am passionately opposed to pedophilia. I think it's a, yeah. a really dangerous thing. And yet by having this conversation today, I lost lots and lots of people, you know, and that's uh, that. I don't know. I doubt that actually. Well, I may, I may have made up for it with new followers, but I'll tell you for sure. I know for a yeah. fact, I did lose some people that had been riding with me from a while. That's back. Ridiculous. But those aren't people you wanted to have follow you anyway. They were I, there you go. I, that's, and, what I, and, that's what I said to Clint. That's exactly what I said. And this is why no, I'm, and this is why I'm anyway. having this conversation is because I agree with Thank you guys. You. I think that this is, these I are the people, people messaging me. I had big profiles, very big profiles messaging me, like sending me his screenshots of his tweets or whatever. I encourage difficult conversations. If we continue to shove them under the rug, we are, do you, I don't think people understand how much abusers and traffickers love the fact that we keep shoving this under the rug. Exactly. That's exactly. The best, that's the best, best case scenario for um, exactly pimps, pedophiles, predators, abusers, everybody. They want it shoved under the rug. When people say, oh, you can't go talk to Alex Jones because he's a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, why wouldn't I? I want my ideas on, on with a conspiracy theory show. I've done Tim Foyle Hat podcasts. I've done comedians podcasts. I've done, I've done so many people like, you know, Hotep Jesus, Michael Mouse, everybody, because it's like, I want everyone to hear all these ideas, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and even if Thad was an abuser, I would still sit down and talk to you because I think that those are conversations. And the way I push back on that is like, like y'all wouldn't judge me if I sat, if I was a journalist and if I sat down with Saddam Hussein or um, Vladimir Putin, like, are you tripping? Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like we, this yeah. is journalism. We have these conversations unless and it's not platforming but it's like giving people an idea to speak you know there was that tweet this week that um a wapo or like an opinion wapo piece where it was like children should be allowed at kink um that tweet got oh, ratioed the, to you're oblivion ta- you're talking about the the kink festival or whatever it was um no it was pride but it was like i want my child to see kink type of a post okay, it was okay. from like a wapo opinion um I think that that was a good example. I'm very from like the school of like free speech, let it all out and let the public decide. Let's work this out in public. Let's air this out. If you have poor ideas, let's let the light shine on it and see what sticks. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I I completely agree that if we're going to have hard conversations, it's better to do it in long form. And I think that, that it's, it's really important that you don't have things that are so taboo that you label someone a criminal for having a thought. I mean, this is like, this is 1984-ish shit, you know, and this is from the libertarian community of all people, the people that are the most free thinking, the most free speech oriented, the people that really believe in this stuff, like ride or die, and yet still a huge number of them 
came uh, out against me just because I wanted to have this conversation between the two of you. And that is that is a serious problem. I don't I don't want to like overlook that. It's not nearly as serious as the issue we're talking about today, but I'm just saying that doesn't help us with this issue. It doesn't help us get closer to saving kids. If you're really concerned right. with that, allow people to think creatively. But you have to understand they're, problem they're solve. a very emotional place. Of course. They're, they're reacting with emotion. They're not, of course, they're, of course. and I think of that course. that shows a massive immaturity, a willingness to like actually look at the issue. Sure, um, or, or it shows hurt or damage. That, that emotion yeah. aside, um, because I've always said that if you have an emotional response to human trafficking and child sexual abuse, um, you're not fit for this environment. Um, mm. I still have a little bit of an emotional reaction to it, but you cannot, um, you have to be able to separate that. So I, I get the wood chipper stuff. I think it's funny, like, but ultimately <laughs> well, it's not conducive to um, let me, any let me, type of solutions. Let me throw a possible, you know, a statist option to this. And, and it would be adding a bit of anarchy into our status paradigm in that okay. what if we what if we gave either the parents or the caretaker, assuming they don't have parents, because that of, oftentimes happens with sex work and stuff like that. Um, what if we gave them the right and like basically, you know how they have uh, like a clause. You, you have the Jack and Jill law where it's like if you're if you're 19 and your girlfriend's 17, that's allowed in some places. Some places it's not. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you gave the parent the clause that if they if they come in there and they see something that they're against. And it's, uh, you know, someone who's- Yeah, the problem is when we're talking about human trafficking, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it, no, it just, that statistically doesn't match up because I think it's like 96%, um, 96% uh, has a knowing relationship of their abusers. A lot of abusers are parents. That's a problem. So when yeah. you, we see human trafficking in child yeah, sexual yeah. abuse, especially in rural areas, especially with I folks know. that have, um, you know, know, that are struggling with drug addiction. So yep. it's like, seems like a dope idea to give it to the parents, but that's why we need to broaden it more to the community a little bit more. Exactly. Um, parents cannot be uh, expected to, it's not like that. I wish no, it was. I, I, I mean, I come from an awesome family, like where my parents are still together. They're in love. They're awesome. They like, they're like the coolest couple ever, but like, that's not reality. No, I know. I know it is actually the rare case. I'm just saying yeah. if you were to have that potential, that deterrent, no, you can't leave it up to parents because uh, you can't leave it up hmm. to parents because it's not to be wow. trusted right now. I, I agree with you again. I mean, yeah, I, I, the community, right. Cause that's what I was thinking when I was saying, give the parents autonomy as I was typing that, you know, I was thinking, wait a second, because that's actually where a lot of the abuse comes from. Yeah. So you have to it has to be a community wide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then can we give that clause to the community? Because I mean, that's that's really Ankapistan at that point. Yeah. Now we're talking yeah, that's, about that's, perfect. That's Ankapistan. Okay. Yeah, that's so, a different society. Well, actually, like so, like the way I like to present it to folks, like given so what what I believe, like my so y'all know my beliefs, and um, you know how I want the world to be. But well, let's talk about how the world really is. So there are over 2,000 organizations in the, in the United States and around the world that serve survivors of human trafficking. I always encourage folks to get involved in a local level, um, you know, mm -hmm. volunteer, get, get ready to be survivor advocates on a local level, volunteer, donate, research your local organizations and see if that fits their, um, you know, what they believe morally. So if it's a faith-based organization or, a, you know, whatever type of organization and just get involved on a local level. That's how folks can do it now within the framework of what we have now and just really get involved, you know, um, 
you know, if it's a faith-based organization or boys and girls club, just get involved in your community and um, develop relationships so that if children are in a position where they feel like they could be exploited or trafficked, or if they're, if they're being abused at home, they have a safe adult to step forward to. What, what do you think about the very common use by law enforcement and some other, many other people too, of, of conflating prostitution with human trafficking or calling prostitute, regular adult consensual prostitution, treatment trafficking. What do you think of that? It's very common. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it actually, well, it's very disingenuous. Um, you know, um, at every step of the turn, you can always ex expect that law enforcement and politicians and political parties will use survivors of human trafficking for their benefit. Mm -hmm. They will call arrests of willing adult entertainers, uh, yeah. human trafficking. I, we've saved this many, we've saved this many. Um, that's why I'm very conscientious of not posting like a, like sting bus, um, because a lot of times they are arresting folks. So how that actually plays out in real life is when you arrest a willing adult sex worker, someone that is there by their own fruition, like they like chose to be there. Mm -hmm. What that does is that puts a stain on their record. So when they go to apply mm -hmm. at Subway yep. to get a job, um, they have to put that on there. Right. And then that leaves them more vulnerable and at risk for being trafficked. And what I try to do is those more like harm reduction methods that would not leave them in a more vulnerable place to be exploited and trafficked. If someone decides to leave the sex industry or sex worker industry, I want them to have options available. And I don't think that they should be charged with those crimes for doing things as willing adults. I think that the law enforcement would be, uh, I think that law enforcement really takes a lot of credit for arresting willing adult sex workers and claiming them as human trafficking victims. Um, and it's really sad wow. and it breaks my heart. Yeah, again, I'm sorry, I disagree with you completely. I, I agree with you completely on that. And what you're, you sound just like the sex worker activists I know very well, that's what they say. Um, and it does terrible but, harm to them. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't, um, so they aren't my primary focus. My primary right. focus is Children. on horrific children uh, child sexual sure. exploitation and human rights violations so i'm not here as an advocate for sex workers gotcha. um, yep. you know what i'm saying i of course 100 i've continuously said the same thing my story has never changed i literally have been so consistent it's like painful but um but i i truly feel in my gut that sex workers could probably be some of my biggest allies and i have found some amazing allies from within the adult entertainment oh, yeah. industry that truly want the child sexual abuse material and human trafficking out of their industry um mm -hmm. i feel like when sex workers that are really about their business want that riffraff out of the way right mm -hmm. um a human trafficking victim that's being expected to make a quota is a mm -hmm. lot more willing to do um uh sexually exploited uh things for much less than what someone that's, um, and, and from it's, 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 it's very, that's very difficult and very nuanced conversation. But like, if I, if I'm a human trafficking victim, if, if I have a quota to meet a thousand dollars, I'm a lot more likely to, um, S your D for 20 bucks without a condom on than a willing adult sex worker that under no circumstances would do that without a condom. Mm -hmm. Right. You get what I'm saying? So I could, yeah. so, so I can undercut you every single step of the way because I have to make a quota. Why on earth wouldn't adult, wouldn't willing adult sex workers want that riffraff out of the way? 
they yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. should. It would create a safer work environment for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And also um, the buyers that are into children, um, victims, victims, those are not quality buyers. These are buyers that don't care about you as a human, could care less if you die and probably won't pay you anyway and could possibly beat you up in the process. So we don't want that environment for anyone, or, right? Or, or kill you very often. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So we don't want that environment for anyone, right? So um, let's get rid as much as possible of the human trafficking and the child sexual exploitation. That's my primary focus. Do, do you think that it would be benefited though? Would it would it help you in your fight to look after the children to have legalized adult consenting prostitution? Uh, and I'm not asking for you to advocate for it. I'm simply asking, would that be a benefit in this? I mean, what are we talking about on the ground or on the internet? I guess on the ground, I think. So I don't with know. children? So with children? No, like no, to, no, no. Not with children. To legalize, to legalize sex work so that there would be fewer children being exploited? Well, I'm just saying it's that... Rare, it's very rare that someone that wants to purchase children in a knowingly exploitative way also wants to, to, also wants to purchase willing adult entertainers that they know are willing. These are like two different, mm. it's like saying like. Oh, uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, I mean, I don't, I know they seem very close, but we're talking about two totally different things, right? Like. Well, I, the, the only reason I ask is because it seems as if because, because it's not legal, because you're talking about like a black, black market, which is the, the traffic trafficked people that are against their will or coercion or whatever these other options right, are right. versus the people that are doing it voluntarily that are of age that. You know, it just seems as if it would kind of unmuddy the water so that you you could focus law enforcement on actually saving victims of genuine, you know, involuntary. I would. Are you kidding me? I would much rather um, law enforcement and the FBI and everybody focus solely on child sexual abuse more above and beyond anything else. What willing adults do is none of my business and I could care less. And I don't think that the public should care either. Um, It's not any of our business, especially, I mean, it's just, it's so, I can't even, it's like the child sexual abuse is so beyond the pale that I don't know why it's not our primary focus in the United States and globally, but whatever. Um, I can't well, and, focus and, on the way I want the world to be. But when it comes to, um, I think that definitely we should decriminalize it, right? Like nobody should be criminalized for, um, like I said, that could have uh, adverse effects where it actually leaves folks more vulnerable to being trafficked, right? So that's what I don't want. I don't want to increase trafficking. Exactly. Um, not, not just that, but it also, it also <laughs> allocates resources to something that's not nearly right. as big of a problem. And they are already failing terribly about looking after the truly victimized, the children that can do nothing about and this. It, and it and empowers spending their time on. And it empowers pimps. And, That's yeah. what it, it does. It does it everything, well, everything empowers pimps. But my only fear is that what we'll see if we do a full legalization, I mean, since we're going here, I try so hard not to go here, but I think <laughs> that, um, no, it's all good. It's like, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I, my fear is that we'll see something similar to what we're seeing with the with the marijuana industry, where when we start to legalize it, it'll be so taxed. So what we've seen in some countries, and there's some research to show this because they have done a full legalization in some countries. And then also Harvard did some research as well, I believe in like 2008. Like if you do a full legalization model, um, 
like it, if, if you look at it in the context of like drugs, right? So like how they've done it with marijuana, um, it doesn't mean that there's not still illegal marijuana because some, especially the most impoverished and vulnerable sex workers or folks that can't afford that taxation from the government. Like this is where the state messes up everything, right? Yep. So, <laughs> so yep. it's like if the state's involved in- um, They are bailing out marijuana distributors in California. It just got legalized a couple of years ago and they are already going bankrupt because the taxes are so outrageous. The taxes are so, so high. The taxes are so high. And what we're seeing time and time again in these um, with with marijuana now, especially as it pertains to human trafficking, is you see illegal pot grows um, because once you're already doing one illegal thing, it's not hard to do another, another illegal True. thing. You're seeing mm -hmm. human trafficking associated and especially child labor trafficking affiliated with these illegal pot grows. Of course. So what I'm scared of if we mm -hmm. do a full legalization of sex work is that it'll actually increase temporarily, if not permanently, the human trafficking and the black market even further. And that those that that can't afford to do it the way through the state will be taxed to death and still be forced to do it on the black market and actually be further oh. victimized. We want to stop further yep. victimization of everyone, right? Yep. So we want to make sure we protect everyone. And, and of course, our most vulnerable first. So that would be children. So all, all I want to see is a safe environment for everyone. So definitely let's not charge people for things and ruin the rest of their life. That would be a great start. So you're talking about, so you're calling for full decriminalization then, right? Not, not like what we do with weed, which is put all these regulations and taxes. Decriminalization, decriminalization on the part of the seller, at least. I think that that would be a great start so that, and, and this serves uh, victims of uh, survivors of human trafficking as well. At least if you're busted, right, for, for being trafficked. And if you don't want to flip on your pimp or trafficker, at least you're not charged. Right. That's the like, Swedish model. Think, okay. So let's, let's like go a little bit. I think one thing. And I apologize if you guys have to go, but like, I think one thing that's, um, you know, when I left my abuser and I know I'm like a cherry picked and I try so hard not to cherry pick, but I think it's an important story is like when I left my abuser, my abuser had racked up a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. So when I left my abuser, I left with less than nothing. Right. So I'm still every day, every month, month by month paying off this debt. Right. Um, that my abuser racked up. Imagine if I had a criminal record on top of that because I was charged with a charge because I had been selling sex while, while I was with my abuser. Right. Um, I already do have some charges on my record. I'm, I'm very transparent about that. Um, but none of them were um, sex related crimes. Thank God. Um, Just bar fights. Uh, different, but yeah. <laughs> I was totally joking. <laughs> I just didn't get caught for the bar fights. <laughs> but I think it's important to to realize that you know I'm 40 years old and I'm still digging myself out of a pattern of abuse. And um when you're stuck in almost a debt bondage to your abuser and then you add on a criminal record on top of that um there isn't much of a pathway out. And I'm very fortunate because I have a mouthpiece and I'm still cute and, you know, everything kind of like works out for me. Okay. But not everybody has that skill set. And, um, and I think when you charge, especially victims of human trafficking, you know, they're starting from less than zero. And so that's why that specific thing would be really important. Same with sex workers. I think that if they decide they want to quit their job and go get a job at a library or whatever, 
or just deciding to change a profession or maybe age hour, whatever happens, maybe they break their leg or God forbid, or something happens. Um, they should be able to choose to go work at like wherever. Of course. Yeah. And I, I have think to say like, yeah, I have a sex offender registry. Yeah. No, I, I think this is, I mean, uh, once again, we are just circling back to how bad the state is in, in addressing all of this. It just constantly exacerbates the issue because it, it's so, it's so like painful for me to realize that if you decriminalize something, it's better than making it totally legal. Like yeah. to, that's exactly. so counterintuitive, but it's right. the truth. And it's not, it shouldn't be that way. Cause what we ought to be doing is abolishing the regulatory state as well as the income tax or whatever sort of uh, tax that the state's charging that makes this stuff so extraordinarily expensive when it becomes totally above board and legal. And it's just it, the, the layers of problems that are, cre- that are adding to this issue. Um, very frustrating. I'll just say that like this conversation has frustrated me to my core because it's so, I mean, it's already such a complex issue because you're dealing with, you know, ethics and morality and consent (laughs) and all of these really tough topics. And then on top of that, you have the state that's just like dancing on your grave as you try and fix it, you know? (laughs) So then then let me ask you a question, uh, a tough question, maybe for both of you. It sounds like you're, you're in favor of abolishing the age of consent laws. Is that right? I mean... No, I don't know. Not without, no, not without further consideration. I mean, this would, I mean, are, are we talking like, are we talking about perfect world or the way it currently is? Are you talking about the way it currently is or like in Capistan? That's a great question because the, it's like the defund the police thing. I'm like, I'm basically a police abolitionist or whatever it's called. Uh, I want to get rid of them, but you know, not now, not, not, you know, not, not in the situation where it's a great point. So that's, it's, it's just hard. Yet another really hard question. I don't know. Um, I'm asking Clint though. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell He's you. Like, Girl, I heard you talking up tonight. <laughs> no, no, I'll tell you. I, I mean, in this in in this current set of circumstances, I think it would likely cause more harm than good. Um, so I can't advocate for it at this point. However, okay. I do think that that is the end goal. I think that the end goal is to rid ourselves of the state, which by its very nature would mean that you would not have any hard and fast rules about consent. It would be predicated on the family or or the community to address these issues on a localized level in a much more hands-on approach. For both parties involved, right? Because people don't have to do the dance by themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah, sure, sure. For both yeah. parties involved. Yeah, no, I, I think I think absolutely. So I, I guess that's that's I, I can't answer it. Di- I guess I guess my answer directly is no, I do not advocate for it now. However, now. I could see I could see myself, um, you know, I want to get rid of the state. So, yeah, of course, you yeah. know, I, I, I'd be a complete hypocrite if I were to say otherwise. Yeah. So it's the ultimate objective. Yeah, I think I think so. I I mean, I could have someone convince <laughs> me otherwise that you can't go there. Like may, maybe yeah. I'm I'm thinking on the fly here. So let's let's just be honest about it. Like we this is a very complex issue, and I think that that's why I wanted to have this conversation. That's why I'm so grateful to both of you for being willing to do it. Especially Eliza, since you you were this was like kind of thrown in your lap at the at the last yeah, minute. Eliza. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so, so I really yeah, appreciate, appreciate the flexibility because okay. we had had just for those that don't know, we had had this schedule. <laughs> I talk about this stuff all day, every day. No, I, hijacked, I know. I, know. Your, I hijacked. I hijacked your your interview, though. You know. Yeah. So, so I appreciate and we should have this interview like already scheduled. Like I know. It wasn't like we just made this interview so that that could come on. Like exactly. Exactly. So I just want. I just I want really the, wanted to talk about the chance that the state could use mass surveillance because of the you know, child sexual abuse material problem. I was like, oh my gosh, people need to know about this. So yeah, 
no, it was, it was valuable on a lot of fronts. I hope I, yeah. obviously I don't think we came to any, um, you know, firm resolution here. Um, but I think that we made some progress and that's more than I can say for what happened on Twitter over the past week. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so <laughs> I, I really just want to thank you guys both. If you guys could give your any sort of context, if people want to follow you, I'd appreciate it. Eliza. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody can follow me on Twitter at, at Eliza blue E L I Z A B L E U. E-L-I-Z-A-B-L-U, but my favorite platform on the planet is locals.com. It's eliza.locals.com. That's where folks can donate to me if they feel so if they feel like it. It's a free speech content creator platform. It's freaking awesome. Everybody cools over there. Um, you should definitely come over. They have a great app. Um, but in my case, it's just awesome. It's like definite backup and it's where I blog about human trafficking or whatever's on my mind. Actually, I blogged about the Snowden stuff like two months ago. Um, but I'm also speaking at Freedom Fest. So come by, check me out. I'm speaking about human trafficking and how much I appreciate my freedom as a survivor of human trafficking, my personal liberties uh, at Freedom Fest 2021. So come by and check me out. And uh, yeah, so like donating to me, please do. <laughs> please do. I, I was just going to say, I'm, te I'm, I'm tempted to. Nobody controls my voice. That's very rare. Yeah, I'm tempted to start a GoFundMe just to alleviate that credit card debt because that really bums me out. Um, um, well, it's not quite as bad as it was. I've well, actually down. You, you would be, you would cry if you knew how much I. Yeah, you would cry. Oh, believe me, with credit card rates, I totally understand. I, I'll be at free. I'll be <laughs> at Freedom Fest. I'll be at Freedom Fest as well. And uh, Thaddeus, oh. I, I want to thank you. I, I know that even though it, I kind of voluntarily stepped in this trap. Um, I still think that there is value in people that are willing to say things that will. Um, upset some people sometimes. And, and I have, the reason I've followed you as long as I have, the reason I've appreciated your show for all these years is because even though I don't always agree with you, I think that it's, there is tremendous value in being courageous enough and willing to take a stance that you know damn well people are going to drag your ass for. Um, so thank you again for coming on. If you could let people know about your show and everything else. Thank you, sir. Uh, well, I'm on I'm on Twitter <laughs> at Thaddeus Russell. Um, if you want to send him memes, <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, and by the way, I have not blocked a single person. Oh, you, good you're a better you. man That's than hard, me, Thaddeus. Ever? None of these people. No one. None of the people who have threatened to kill me. Not one of them. <laughs> wow. Not one of them. I haven't even muted them. Nothing. That's, in That's incredible. Yeah, I've even gotten DMs about, you know, tying me to a cement block on the bottom of the ocean and stuff like that. I don't even don't even block them. I don't report them. And if Twitter ever tries to kick them off, I will fight on their behalf. Well, to keep them on Twitter, um, to keep their voices, because as, as Eliza was saying, would you rather shut these people up or know what they're doing? Right. Um, so that's my Twitter unregistered the unregistered podcast that's my baby and that comes out <laughs> weekly and we cover every topic under the sun i am not obsessed with pedophilia as people like to say we've had 170 episodes i think we've covered it maybe four times we talk about everything politics culture you name it uh then renegade university is uh really what's happening for me mostly right now that is taking off we have i don't know maybe 20 or 25 courses now on all sorts of topics we have a great course by vin armani on cryptocurrency we have a great course on how to make your own 3d printed guns which is very popular we have all sorts of courses on history and philosophy and politics so check it out renegadeuniversity.com awesome cool. and i will be at freedom fest as well so if you guys want to meet me and eliza i don't know if thaddeus is going to make the trek out there but uh that'll be your Too opportunity hot. Yeah, too hot. Too hot. South too Dakota, hot. July 20th. Anyways. Uh, oh, was it South Dakota? I thought it was in Vegas. No, South no, Dakota. It was in Vegas oh, last year. 
They moved. Okay, then maybe I will. Okay, South Dakota's right, cool. nice, I guess. <laughs> I'll I'll be your bodyguard, brother. All right, thank you guys so much for coming on. I will. Uh, oh, coming up, I have Jeffrey Tucker as well as no stranger to no stranger to controversy. Yeah. Who's Jeffrey Tucker? Oh wow, you'll you'll find out. <laughs> yeah, he's. he's I a, know. I just kind of stick in my whole zone. I don't like really. He's a. He's been a major. He's been one of the most prominent libertarians for like forty years. Yeah, he's okay. a great, well, great I don't, writer, I great thinker. Stick to myself. I don't like. I just stick to myself. Really, doesn't matter. You'll, you'll I don't him. care. I don't <laughs> care at all. <laughs> Jeffrey Tucker. Then I got Carol Roth, who's amazing. She was just on Timcast, and then I also have Louis J. Gomez, the founder of Cast uh, Digital. So yeah, I am pumped. It's going to be an amazing week. Thank you guys again for coming on. It was a blast. I, I really hope people get some value from this conversation, and I hope that people can understand we are trying to. We are trying to solve problems here and we're not trying to have taboo subjects that make things worse. So right. from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you guys. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. You may have noticed that I ran no advertisements during this episode and that was for the sake of my advertisers, simply because I knew with a subject like this, it could be too perilous and I didn't want to damage their brands by some sort of nonsensical affiliation with this subject. Uh, I think it's sad that that's the world we live in. Um, it's not, it has nothing to do with the advertisers themselves. They did not make this request. I just did it of my own volition because I thought that it was the prudent thing to do. Um, didn't want to put them in a tough spot. But I will say this, if you are looking to advertise on this show, I am open to having additional advertisers. And I, I think that you guys have seen my audience is growing exponentially and i think that there's a tremendous amount of value in reaching this particular demographic so if you're interested please shoot me a dm it's at liberty Lockpod on twitter make sure you follow me while you're there and then also liberty lockdown on spotify itunes youtube everywhere else so thank you guys for sticking it out um, if you want to support the show you can also go to teespring it's t-e-e spring.com and search for liberty lockdown you will see a killer design from Top Lobster that is of my ugly visage in cartoon form. And it's just beautiful. Anyways, I, I really appreciate you guys for being the type that are willing to listen as we explore some subjects that most people won't. And, you know, I, it's sad to me that that's, that's where we're at. Um, and I think it's only going to get worse. So I decided to take this opportunity to push back against that trend. And I know that it will have displeased some of you. I hope that uh, for those that, that see you know, my heart in all of this, you'll understand my reasoning. And I hope that you can, at the very least, um, appreciate that I'm, I'm here trying to help. I really am. So anyways, thank you guys so much. As I said, Jeffrey Tucker coming on next. Then I will be speaking with the great Carol Roth, who is amazing if you don't know her you're gonna love her and then lastly but certainly not least one of my icons in the podcasting space Luis j gomez founder of gas digital network as well as co-host of legion of skanks and many other shows so man it's gonna be fun stay tuned keep sharing the show just keep being you man you're perfect just how you are <music>
Welcome to Liberty Lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go It requires a fight Not tweet from your phone Don't need a king Get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought You've always got a home The virus you're scared of Will come and it'll go The government knows Just don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane You probably wonder what's happening Scared Hollywood Left these lyrical feppin' A typo with Luke Might bring the nooses We all bite the bullet I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit Didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot But now I'm the shit Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip for 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe